Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. We've got Pastor Kong this week, touching on the topic of dreams. I want you to be full of faith and hope for this coming year. I want all of you to be full of expectation that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you could think or you could imagine. Something good is going to happen in your life in the new year. Something good is going to happen in your career, in your business. Something good is going to happen in your ministry, if you're serving God in church, in the marketplace for you. Something good is going to happen in your marriage, in your family, in your homes. Something good is going to happen in all your pursuits, in all the desires of your heart. I want you to know you are not a failure. And you must never see yourself as a failure in any shape, form, or fashion. God didn't create you and then suddenly decided to abandon you to suffer for the rest of your life. God is going to take you on an adventure, a journey that you never dream of. Because you know why? You are a child of destiny. Everybody say, I'm a child of destiny. And you know what the Bible tells us? God has predestinated us to be saved, to be justified and glorified. Isn't that wonderful? You are predestined, predetermined to be not just justified, but to be glorified. There's Romans 8, verse 29, verse 30. In other words, you're going from glory to glory. Everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness, He has given to us in His divine power. So 2 Peter 1.3 says, He has called you to glory and virtue. So you are not called to a life of shame or reproach. You are not called to live a life of humiliation or disgrace. So you must have a heavenly vision for this coming year. A heavenly vision. Not just an earthly one. Not just a worldly one. We want a heavenly, divine, supernatural vision. A vision that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. A vision that's anointed by God. Now, what is a vision? Now, if you remember a few months ago, I said vision is really the unfolding of God's divine plan and purpose for your life. It's the unfolding of God's divine plan for you. It's the unfolding of God's divine purpose as it relates to you. God's plan and purpose for your life. Now, a vision is important. Why? Because without a vision, the people perish. You heard that many times. Proverbs 29 verse 18 in the King James Version. Where there's no vision, the people perish. In the original text, the word perish means you are made naked. That means without a vision, you'll be stripped of your honor and your dignity. That is why vision is important. Because as children of God, He wants to elevate you into a place of honor. He wants to elevate you into a place of favor. He wants to lift you and promote you to a place of dignity. That is why you need vision. To recover every dignity and honor that you may have lost. 
Satan, the devil, is a thief. John 10, 10. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, but the devil is only good for one thing, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But how many of you know, the Bible tells us that when God apprehends the thief, he must restore everything back to you sevenfold. Seven times, everything the thief has stolen must be restored back to you. You're going to be fiscally stronger. Let's believe that. Let's believe 2017, your marriage is going to be restored. Let's believe it's going to be seven times happier. You're going to be seven times more in love with your husband. Seven times more in love with your wife. All your savings that you have lost in the last year or years is going to be restored in 2017. Everybody say out loud. Say, 2017 is my year of restoration. Say it louder. 2017 is my year of restoration. Turn to your neighbors on your left and right. Say, the next year will be a year of your restoration. Hallelujah. Amen. So you must have a vision for this to happen. Because without a vision, you can't get back the honor. Without the vision, you cannot get back that dignity. So this week, I came across four little statements made by a famous American preacher called Jesse Duplantis. And he made four statements. I, I read one of his blogs, and I was kind of blessed by it. He said this. He said, concerning our future, four questions we must ask ourselves. How big do you want to dream? How much do you want to envision? How hard do you want to work? And how much of the past do you want to forget? So tonight, I'm just going to use these statements as a simple outline of my message. Just want to borrow the four thoughts that he put in his blog but let's start by talking about dreams and visions, visions and dreams. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. Now, why don't we all read this verse together out loud? Acts 2:17 from the front to the back, starting now. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old man shall dream dreams. Your young man shall see visions. Your old man shall dream dreams. Your young man shall see what? Visions. See what? Visions. Old man shall dream dreams. Visions and dreams. Dreams and visions. What's the difference? You see, I mean, obviously, if the scripture put them out separately, there must be certain differences. Well, let me preface by saying this. Visions and dreams are powerful because when you have them, they turn into faith and they can increase, inspire, and propel your faith. When you have faith, you start creating. By faith, by His Word, God created the entire universe you start creating a great and glorious future. By faith, we provoke the hand of God. We move God to act on our behalf. And that is why 
we talk so much about faith in City Harvest Church. Because when you have faith, you start becoming creative like God. Now, what's the difference between visions and dreams? A dream has to do with our thoughts. It has to do with our thoughts. That is why when we start dreaming, you know, and nothing is impossible. When a little child dreams, he could fly into outer space. When you dream, you can walk through walls. When you dream, nothing is impossible. So uh, the saying is true. It costs nothing to dream because nothing is impossible when you dream. Now, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Now, this is not thinking with human logic and human reasoning. This thinking with the heart is thinking with your human spirit. It's thinking in the spiritual dimension. It's not thinking with your human brain. You see, your thoughts must get interested, aroused, stir up, fill up, informed by the human spirit who is in touch with God's Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to show you things concerning your life, concerning God's divine plan for you, God's divine purpose for you. And our thoughts got to be informed by the Holy Spirit. That's why Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So we are not talking about human logic, human reasoning, human ambition. Oh, I just want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to live in a big house, have a nice car. You know, I, we're not talking about worldly reasoning. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, our spirit has no problem believing anything God says. Everything God says in the Holy Bible, our spirit can accept it. When we read the verse, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, deep down inside we say, yes, amen. I know that. I can believe that. When God says, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, yes, yes, I believe. Our struggle is always with our mind and with our body, with our human flesh. And that is why our mind must be renewed. How? By the revelation of God's Word. By the revelation, the rhema given by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that then you will be able to test the music and try out and approve what, is, what God's will is that means you begin to, to try out. And, and the Bible is saying it's all right to try out. You got an idea. How do you know it's from God or it's from somewhere else? How do you know it's not just a worldly ambition? God is secure enough and say, you can test this. You can try out if my will is good or not for your life. And then you start approving what He likes. You begin to like what God likes. You begin to desire what He desires. The more you do this, the more you'll be walking in His goodwill, in His pleasing will, and ultimately in His perfect will. How many of you want to be in the center of God's perfect will? Just wave your hands, right? 
So when our mind and our spirit, they are in sync, they are moving together, they are formulating your future for you. When your thoughts is informed by your spirit, they work together to formulate your destiny. In fact, when your desire is so in sync with God's own desire, they really become one. Then, the Bible says, Psalms 37 verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. So anything you desire, God is going to give it to you because your desire is in sync now with His desire. Your heart is beating with the same frequency with God's heart. Your thoughts is moving in the same frequency with God's thoughts. Then whatever you desire, God is going to give it to you. You have a wishful thinking, oh, I just wish something, this and that will happen. 24 hours later, bam, it happens. Well, tonight, why don't we make a decision? Let's purify our heart. Let's get in sync with God's heart. Let's open our heart to the love of God, our Heavenly Father. Let's open up our heart to Abba Father. Let's sensitize our, our spirit to Jesus and to His Holy Spirit. Because when our desire is in sync with God's own desire, you begin to dream His dreams. That's when God's dream becomes real in your life. You know why the Bible says, Old men dream dreams? Not because they are tired and you, know, you sleep a lot. Even though physically that may be true. But because when you're older, you have, you have lived life experiences. You have gone through a lot of stuff. And you begin to realize what's really important. Your desire is getting in sync with God's desire. So you begin to dream God's dreams. And let me tell you something about a dream that is inspired by God. Dreams given by God has no expiration date. It has no expiration date. Abraham could be a hundred years old, and yet that dream is still very much active and is alive. I absolutely believe the dream that God has given to you, even when you were young, when we were starting out together, that dream is still active and still alive. God doesn't give you a dream and walk away from it. You see? So, how big do you want to dream tonight? How big? It's up to you. How big do you want to dream? Because in the realm of dreams, nothing is impossible. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You know what he's effectively saying is this. Nothing is impossible to the man or to the woman who dreams. If you can dream, nothing will be impossible to you. So how big of a dream do you want? If only you could dream, nothing is impossible to you. When our dream is in line with God's Word, it will manifest everything that's logically impossible into the natural dimension. We will start believing the unbelievable 
and receive the impossible. If only you could dream. So my first question for all of you here tonight is this. How big of a dream do you want? How big do you want to dream? All right? You can never knock down somebody with a dream. So a dream has to do with our thoughts. Now, a vision is different. It has to do with our imagination. It has to do with our imagination. And let me say this. 41 years as a Christian, our imagination could possibly be the most powerful weapon God has given to us in our arsenal. Your imagination is the most powerful spiritual weapon God has put into your life. No other creature in God's entire universe has this ability to dream and see visions. Only us. Only you and I humans. Only we could imagine. So go with me to Genesis chapter 11 right now. And here's the story of the Tower of Babel. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. The place of agreement is the place of power. Everybody say out loud with me. Say the place of agreement is the place of power. In 992, Jesus said to me one time, in those days, God was giving me uh, the concept of building not just a neighborhood church, but a strong local church. And, and Jesus said this to me. He said, Kong, if you could get everybody from the youngest to the oldest to be of one heart and speak one language and move in one vision, united in love for one another, then you will move like a mighty plow in the harvest field of the world and nothing will be impossible for the church. If we could just all have the unity of spirit, speak one language, if we are able to be on one speech. Now, verse 2, it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of China and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, now, let me give you the context over here. The people here were all heathens. They were non-believers. They were sinners and very wicked, rebellious sinners. And they were led by a very evil man called Nimrod. So they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Now, humanly, it's impossible, right? I mean, how are you going to build a tower, no matter how great you are, that will reach all the way to God in the heavens? It's humanly impossible. And then he says, let us make a name for ourselves. So they wanted to be great. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But look at verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now, wait a minute. The Tower of Babel hadn't been fully built yet. But the Lord came down to see. To see what? That's why today people can speculate how the ruins will look like 
They couldn't find an actual physical tower because it has never been built. But yet, the Lord came down to see the city because as far as God is concerned, it's already built. Where? In their imagination. In their imagination. And God was concerned because if you can build something in your imagination, the impossible becomes possible. So here were a bunch of very wicked people, but their imagination provoked God to draw near. Hey, if wicked people can bring God into a situation by their imagination, how much more thousands of us here tonight who love Jesus and walking in righteousness, filled in the Holy Spirit, if we dare to visualize and imagine how much closer God will be to us. Oh, come on, you believe that? Let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Oh, you want to clap? Let's give the Lord a big clap. Amen. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. You see, the place of agreement is the place of power. Unity is important. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they had imagined to do. Look at the last sentence again. Nothing they have imagined to do will be restrained or withheld from them. You know what this means? Everything that we imagine to do will never be kept back from us. Everything you imagine to do in your thoughts, in your mind, will never be kept back from you. Even if you're the most wicked person on this earth. This is the law of imagination. And it works for both Christians and heathens, for saints and for sinners. That is why you go to a bookstore, you find a lot of very secular, non-Christian, New Age people, and they talk about the power of imagination. Because it works for both. Nothing they imagine to do will be restrained from them. That means if you can see yourself doing it, living it, if you can imagine it, then all the necessary resources that you need to make it happen will present itself to you. If you just dare to imagine every resource that you need, every finances that you need in order for you to fulfill this goal, you begin to live and move under the power and the authority of the imagination. This is a law. This is a universal spiritual principle that only we humans, created by God, can step in. Once you see it, everything you need will manifest itself. It will show up. You know what this means? It will make you supernatural. City Harvest Church next year can be the most supernatural year in your entire life. It's going to happen to you. That means it makes you superhuman. You become truly a partaker of the divine nature. You get a picture. You get a scripture, a Bible verse. You start visualizing it. You start 
confessing it, declaring it, speaking it into existence. Like what Romans 4, 17 says, you begin to call those things which do not exist as though they did. You begin to say it. You visualize it. You get a picture of it. So you got to start meditating. So once you have a dream, a dream is informed by God in your thoughts. Now you must visualize it. You meditate on it until the moment you close your eyes, you could see yourself living, moving, walking, functioning in that Bible promise, in that scriptural promise. The moment you can visualize it, then it doesn't matter if today you're poor. doesn't matter you don't have the opportunity, the doors are shut. All the resource that you need will present itself. Suddenly the door will open up. Suddenly people you do not know will say, you know what, I'm going to come alongside and help you because God has sent me to help you. I'm going to come and open the door. Here's the key. You can make that happen. You see, God told Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. As many as the stars are out there, so will your descendants be. Now look at the sand on the seashore. As many as the grains of the sand, so shall your descendants be. Abraham was an old man, but he was getting a picture. He was getting an image. His dream was becoming a vision. He meditated on it day and night. That's why you have the sand and you have the stars. So it's day and night, day and night, until the moment he closed his eyes, he could literally see nations coming out of his loins. And that's how God wants us to be. In 2017, from tonight, you're going to start visualizing. Next year is going to be the greatest year of your entire life for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And look, look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that's at work within us. So God will do immeasurably more than all you could ask or you could imagine. So the moment you could visualize something in the eyes of your heart, in the eyes of your spirit, God will exceed all your expectation. That is the law of imagination. That's why it's so powerful. It is so powerful. So the question is, do you dare to imagine it? Do you dare, cell group leaders, why don't you imagine your cell group going to be packed out in 2017? Those of you working professionals, why don't you imagine yourself getting that promotion? Why don't you imagine yourself getting that breakthrough in your business? Those of you who are getting married, why don't you visualize your family life, your marriage life, bless. Those of you wanting children, like Abraham, visualize kids in abundance. Since you're going to dream, cause nothing a dream. Why stop at one? Visualize a harvest. <laughs> turn, to, turn your neighbors on your left and right and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> so question number two is this. How much do you want to envision? See, it's up to you. Ever since I started preaching, I started preaching at 19 years old. But even before I started preaching, I always 
have this desire that one day I'm going to stand before people and before non-Christians because I was a soul winner even before I became a preacher. I like to witness. I like to leave a tract. I like to share with people about Jesus. First time I lay hands on somebody, I was 11 years old. I got fear in the spirit, and I went to my class, primary five. I went to a class monitor during the recess time. I brought him to the back. I said, you won't believe it. I spoke in tongues. He looked at me and said, Pastor. Hey, he didn't call me Pastor back. He says, Kong, what are you talking about? He said, I said, close your eyes. You're just going to receive it. I lay hands on him. He started speaking in tongues. So I was 11 years old. So ever since I was a teenager, I always imagined, because I was severely, greatly impacted by Billy Graham when he came to Singapore in 1978. And I would just go to the bathroom and lock myself and look at the mirror and imagine one day, I'm going to like Billy Graham, I'm going to stand before a stadium. And you'll probably go like this. How many of you need Jesus today? Day, 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 day. Come to Jesus tonight, night, 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 night. <laughs> Lift up your hands right now, 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 now. As the musicians play, just as I am, we are one, please, please, please. You just come right now, 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 now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was imagining. I was imagining it. And then later on, I became a pastor. And you know, in the early 1990s, it's difficult to get people to come to the front. And I started visualizing. I visualized that from that hour, people will be coming down. From the left, from the right, people will be coming down. Young ones, old ones, big ones, small ones. You know, different ones coming down. The front will be packed. When I, then I started visualizing. I got really specific. You see, it's how much you want to envision. I started visualizing. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And then when I could visualize 30, that week, 30 people would respond to the altar call. When I could visualize 60, 60 people would respond to the altar call. Then one time I read an old Charisma magazine and one American pastor was saying, oh, the day will come. And he wrote this in the article. Where we believe in America, every week in every church, you could have 100 people giving their hearts to Jesus. I was provoked when I read that. I said, God, surely you don't love the Americans more than you love Singaporeans. Lord, he's praying one day for revival to happen. I said, God, let it happen in, in this church. And the moment I could visualize 100 people getting saved, that week, I got 100 people responding to the other call. And then it went on all the way until 2009. 400 people would get saved every weekend for the glory of God. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Oh, come on, you want to clap? Let's give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can see it, you can have it. When doubt comes, just close your eyes and meditate on the promises of God until you see yourself. You could visualize in your imagination. You are right in the center of the promise that God has given to you, of that dream that God has given to you. At that moment, Every resource you need will start presenting itself to you. Look, God does this all the time. God does it. God works through imagination. Look at Isaiah 46 and look at verse 9. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning 
And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Now, we worship a God who declares the end from the beginning. How do you do this? For God to do this, He got to imagine your end. Because your end hasn't happened yet. But He's able to declare it. So God imagines right from the beginning how your destiny will look like at the very end. So instead of waiting to see what happens, join God in imagining the end from the beginning. Focus, visualize, meditate until you see your end. And the end reads victory, 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 healing, healing, healing. Provision, 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 abundance, 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 deliverance, deliverance, deliverance for the glory of God. Visualize it. Oh, come on, go ahead and give God praise. Hallelujah. Start imagining sevenfold restoration of everything that's stolen from your life. Sevenfold. Visualize it. Visualize it. How big do you want to dream? How much do you want to envision? Number three, how hard do you want to work? How hard do you want to work? Now, to be successful, you must be hardworking. John 5, verse 17, Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. The NIV Bible says, God the Father is always working. Even when we sleep, He's working. Jesus is working, praying, praying at the right hand of the Father for you and I. The Holy Spirit is working all the time, all the time. Every accomplishment is a product of commitment. Every accomplishment is a result of your commitment to work. You're committed to your studies, young ones. You're committed to your job. You're committed to the ministry. So we must work hard. But we must always work with God. Because if you work apart from God, then your life becomes a struggle. Then your work becomes toiling. You're struggling. You start burning out. You start breaking down. Right? Without the oil of the anointing, we burn out, we break down. So when you read the Gospels, you can summarize the work of Jesus to two things. Do you know that? Just two things. Jesus said everything the Father said. Jesus did everything He saw the Father do. That's all you need to do. That's all the work we need to do. Say what God is saying and do what God wants us to do. It's as simple as that. If you just do well in those two areas, your work will be so productive You're going to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. All right? So how hard do you want to work? In other words, will you say everything that you hear God is saying? Will you do everything that you see God is doing through you? Right? Nonetheless, for our visions and dreams to happen, we must be prepared to work with God. We work hard, but we are leaning on God. We are resting on God. We are doing what he's doing. We're saying what he's saying. Finally, number four, how much of the past do you want to forget? How much? It's up to you. 
are you going to bring over to 2017 all your emotional baggage of 2016? Or worse still, 2015, 2014, 20... All the way back. Are you going to bring everything over? It's too heavy. You can't carry it. You're not meant to carry and bring it over to a brand new year. Leave the past to the past. Otherwise, you keep on thinking about yesterday. Philippians 3 verse 13. Can we all read this together? Last verse for tonight, starting now. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Forget about the failures of the past. Listen, God doesn't even remember your failures of the past. He wipes it away. Isaiah 43, he says, your sins I remember no more. God doesn't even want to remember it. It's too heavy a burden. God doesn't even want to recall it. So listen, when you repent, God forgets. The moment you repent, God forgets. He didn't just cover your sins. He wiped it all away. He wiped it so clean, it's as if you have never sinned before in your entire life. If you keep thinking of what happened, then nothing will happen. If you keep thinking of what happened, nothing will happen. If you keep thinking of what happened in your past, Nothing is going to happen in your future. you got to decide tonight. Church, leave the past in 2016. Don't keep going over the old hurts, the old conflicts. Just forgive. Let the past be the past. Let go and let God. Let God turn your disappointment to a new appointment. Let God turn your tombstone into a new stepping stone. You say, my pastor, you know, I've been stumbled. I've been stumbled so bad. Let God turn your stumbling block into your new stepping block for a brand new year. You're not going to be better. You're going to decide to be better. So four things as we stand on the threshold of the brand new year. How big do you want to dream? Number two, how much do you want to envision? Number three, how hard do you want to work? And number four, how much of the past do you want to forget? I want to visualize God giving us victory in every area of our lives. And all of God's people say, Amen. Let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.